This is the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast, coming to you from the heart of Honolulu, Hawaii. Hui Kala is a dynamic family of faith committed to solid Bible teaching, discipleship, and helping you grow in your faith. Grab your Bible and prepare to dig deep into the Word with Pastor Anthony King. Bible turn to the book of Ecclesiastes, if you would, tonight. We're uh, continuing our mini-series. I call it a mini-series because we're not going to go through the whole book verse by verse. Um, Mini-series through the book of Ecclesiastes. Just kind of hitting some high points. Um, I'd encourage you uh, to read through the book of Ecclesiastes if you've never read through it before. We're going to be in Ecclesiastes 4 tonight. Um, Ecclesiastes chapter 4. (laughs) My wife uh, this week uh, said to me, uh, sweetheart, um, this morning as part of my devotions, I read through the book of Ecclesiastes. And I thought, man, that's good. Good for you. And she said, it didn't take 15 minutes either. It's a lot longer than that. And I said, I never said the book of Ecclesiastes was a 15-minute book. I never said that. So I want to go on record saying if it takes you time to read it, it's going to take a little time. There's uh, 12 chapters, I believe, in the book of Ecclesiastes. I said maybe the book of James, I might have said 15 minutes or so, but I never said that for the Ecclesiastes. And so, and I said, did it help you? And she goes, I was helped by it. I said, okay, then, then give me a break. Uh, so... Um, <laughs> And she did. She gave me a break. And so we're, and everything moved on the way it should. Uh, but uh, great book. If you've never read through the book of Ecclesiastes, highly encourage you to do it. Uh, so much wisdom that we find uh, here in the book of Ecclesiastes. The truth we're going to uh, glean tonight uh, from this found in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse number 9. I've entitled tonight's message, Better Together. Um, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, starting in verse number 9. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow, but woe unto him that's alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat, but how can one be warm alone? If one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. When I was in... uh, uh, Growing up years in middle school and high school, played basketball, and uh, I wasn't very good at basketball. I'll just get that out of the way. Uh, I wasn't very good, but I was tall, and so I, I made the team, I think, based on size alone. Uh, if you needed rebounds, I was usually a pretty good guy to get those. If you needed fouls, I was a great guy to get those. Um, if you needed p- points, baskets, not generally the best guy, unless the ball was really, really close in the paint. I was a good, good to go for there. The frustrating part about being on a team, though, is at halftime when the coach takes you in the locker room and, and basically takes you out to the woodshed and gives you a, a good earful. The frustrating thing about never actually getting on the floor is you have to endure the chew-out session with everybody else. I get yelled at because we get no rebounds. I get yelled at because we're not making our free throws. I get yelled at because our uh, field goal percentage is incredibly low. And I think to myself, hey, look, I didn't even check in in the game yet. You can, like, direct your voice over to those guys, not me. And it was frustrating being a part of a team and not really having a part to be a part of the team. Uh, It was frustrating to have to uh, maybe the next day run suicides because everybody missed their free throws when I didn't miss any free throws. And so for me, uh, team sports really became kind of a bummer for me, especially uh, in my uh, my high school years because I thought to myself, I don't like being a part of a team because I pull my weight and everybody else doesn't, or I never get a chance to actually show what I've done and and, the hard work that I put in. And so for me, I I took a lot of, uh, in my older adult years, I enjoyed going to... um, uh, doing some running because I was the only person that was out there running by myself. Uh, I enjoy still to this day going to the gym and lifting weights and things like that because I'm not competing against anybody. I'm not competing with anybody. Just going out there doing my own thing. 
The problem is, is my personality tends more towards isolation as well. I'm an introvert by nature. Um, I'm socially awkward. I'm, I'm weird in conversations with people. And, uh, and I know that people a lot of times pick up on that. So that makes me uh, more anxious and more self-aware and self-conscious. And I just, I'm just weird all the way around that I know that. And so I try to keep to myself as much as I can. The problem with that is isolation isn't how God created us. God created us as social creatures. God created us as social beings. God created his church as a social environment for Christians. And so this causes a little bit of a problem with guys like me, gals like me. Uh, how many of you would self-identify tonight as an introvert by nature? If that was you, raise your hand tonight. Self-identified introvert. Man, good chunk of us, right? And some of you, they just raise your hand. That was the hardest thing you've had to do all week, right? Like, I have to self-identify as an introvert and let everybody know it. And, I'm, and you probably feel a little bit vulnerable for just even raising your hand right now. But a good majority of us should identify as introverts. How many of you say uh, extrovert by nature? That's you, raise your hand. How many of you didn't raise your hand? Shame on you, shame on you, shame on you. You got to pick a side, right? Uh, maybe you were thought there was going to be a third option that you just didn't get a chance to hear yet. Okay, I'll give you a break on that, right? But but some of us, it's easier for us to make friendships. Uh, my wife, anywhere she goes, anywhere she goes, she immediately makes friends. And I tell her, like when we're on vacation, I have to tell her, don't make eye contact with anybody because you're going to get sucked into a conversation. Just just look down at the floor. Like if we're in an elevator, somebody will look at her and and begin a conversation with her in the elevator. She's like, stop. Just just look at the floor, look down. Uh, no lie, we were in a, a Goodwill store in, in California one time, and um, we were looking around at stuff like that. I said, hey, I'm gonna go look at the guy's section over here. I'll be back in a minute. I walked over to the guy's section, and there's like nothing there. And so I walked back literally 30 seconds later, literally 30 seconds later, and this lady's sitting there with her hand on my wife, crying, tear coming down her face, going, and that's when he left me for another woman. And I thought to myself, do you know this? And I asked her, do you know this lady? And she was like, no. And I was just like, oh, my soul. People just drawn to her. Uh, my wife m makes friends really, really easy. It comes easy, comes natural for her, not f for guys like me. But so I can look at this a couple of different ways. I can look at this and say, hey, this is how God wired me. I'm an introvert by nature. It's weird to talk to people. I'm socially awkward. I don't need anybody. I've got my own thing going on. I'm just going to stay in my lane. You stay in your lane and everybody's okay. I can look at it that way or I can look at it biblically and say, two are better than one. Woe unto the man who's alone when he falls. And I can say, I have to get past my own insecurities and be the person that God has called me to be. I need friendships, you need friendships. I need companionship, you need companionship. I need the local church, you need the local church. This is how God has created life to work. First of all, if you're taking notes, and I highly recommend that you do. Jot down a few thoughts that I came across as I'm going through this passage of Scripture. First of all, we fear companionship due to the risk involved. For me to actually step outside of my shell and to, to become friendly with another person requires a certain level of risk on my part. I was... Um, terrible at, at, uh, as a single guy. Uh, my wife and I, uh, the, I believe the only time I got the courage to ask her up was after it took about six months of just being really good friends. I had the courage to ask her out uh, because I had a fear of rejection. And we carry that over even into friendships where we feel like, hey, if I talk to this person, they're going to judge me or they're, they're going to reject me. And there's a certain level of risk involved. And that makes us, uh, because we're generally risk averse people, it makes uh, companionship a little bit difficult and maybe even awkward. Sometimes we fear companionship due to the vulnerability required. I realize that at some point I'm going to have to open up a little bit. 
we can have conversations like, hey, where'd you grow up? Uh, hey, uh, what's your background? What kind of, kind of job do you do? And things like that. We can have conversations like that on the surface level. But if you've been in a conversation for about five or 10 minutes, you realize you get past the surface level stuff and you got to start saying, uh, you know, so how'd you wind up here at this church? You know, what's your church background? Did you grow up going to church? And then we have to be maybe a little bit vulnerable. Maybe somebody asks you, oh, did you grow up in a Christian family? And you say, hmm, no, not exactly. And you begin to feel a little bit, little bit vulnerable that now you're gonna have to open up and what are they gonna think and are they gonna judge you? And it kind of makes companionship hard. It's easier just to clam up. It's easier just to go your own way and do your own thing and stay in your lane. Uh, it's easy during handshaking time uh, to go grab a cup of coffee, step outside, take a phone call, uh, maybe go to the bathroom, maybe wait around, you know, do your own thing. Oh, I've got to help, I got to help John, uh, Johnny with his uh, stuff here. Uh, can't, can't shake hands right now. I've got to help with this. And it's easier to just find something else to do, but vulnerability is required if we want to make companionships. You might say, I don't want to make companionships. Let me tell you this, God wants you to. God wants you to make friendships that draw you closer to him and draw you closer to other Christians who can help you to be more like Jesus Christ. We often fear companionship due to the disappointments of the past. Many people fear church because of disappointments from the past. How many of you, again, by by taking a, a poll here tonight, have had another church or even this church at some point in your life disappoint you or hurt you? Raise your hand. It's you. If you didn't raise your hand, probably haven't been going to church long enough. Uh, that's all I would say. Uh, because it's going to happen eventually to everybody. Uh, and unfortunately, some people have been disappointed and hurt by this church. And I've tried to apologize and make it right to the best of my ability that I know uh, how. But we sometimes fear companionship due to past hurts or past disappointments. When people say, oh, you know, I, I, I don't really like church that much because, uh, you know, growing up I had a church that hurt me or the last church we were in at, we were, we were done wrong and things like that. I always tell people the same thing. Hey, look, I've gone to restaurants that I got terrible food, but I still decided to eat the next day. Uh, I've gone to to restaurants where I was disappointed with the menu, but I found another restaurant that I really liked. And so I say, don't let past experiences color uh, your future choices that you make. Again, we need companionship. We must place importance on building healthy relationships within the body of Christ. We have to do this. Uh, this is not, a, again, an optional thing. We have to place importance on building healthy relationships inside the body of Christ. Uh, two weeks from tonight, we'll have our home fellowship night where we'll split up into five different homes on our island and just hang out, uh, have, uh, have some food together, talk, maybe play some icebreaker games, get to know each other, have a word of prayer. It's just a time of fellowship together. And some of you and some of the people in our church will not come on that night because they don't want to get to know other people. They don't want to spend time with other people. But we don't put things like that on the calendar just for fun or like, man, we got an empty Sunday night. How do we fill that with something? Uh, and maybe we should do a home fellowship because we got nothing else to do. No, we strategically place that on there because we need Christian friendships. We need to get to know other Christians and we need to place a high priority on that. I need Christian friends. You need Christian friends. One ancient uh, Jewish writing says, a man without companions is like a left hand without the right hand. Uh, we need companionship. We need friendship. And if we don't have it, it's like having a left hand, but not a right hand. We need friendships, we need companionships. And again, you might say, I think I'm okay where I'm at. I don't need any more friends than what I currently have. Uh, The Bible would disagree with you. You need sharpening, encouraging friendships in your life. To take a look at this passage of scripture in Ecclesiastes 4 tonight, I want you to notice first of all that interdependence brings strength, not weakness. 
Let's take a look at uh, verse number nine. It says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. I don't know why this is pervasive uh, a lot of times around guys, especially that guys feel like to ask another person for help or to seek out friendship with another person uh, shows some level of weakness on our part, that maybe we're not sharp enough or we're not good enough or we're not strong enough and things like that. Uh, And again, I have to confess uh, being guilty on that in cases before. There's been times before where I uh, loaded a washer and dryer in the back of a truck by myself because I didn't want to ask for help. I dented the front of the washer and dryer, but I got it up there myself, right? There's been times where I've tried to take a couch down the stairs by myself because I didn't want to ask anybody for help. I think I've got this. Uh, Me and my son Thatcher have carried many refrigerators up the uh, stairs by ourselves because we didn't want to ask anybody else for help. Uh, Again, there's something inside guys, especially I think, that see that asking for help from another person is some level of weakness. It's not at all. God's created us to lean on other people to help us to be stronger. We're stronger together. We're better together when we lean on one another and we need people in our life that will help us that. You see, individualism and division cause weakness, not interdependence. Me leaning on a a, a strong Christian friend, me leaning on a, a solid relationship that I have with another person doesn't bring weakness to my life. It actually brings strength. My desire to be my own person or do my own thing or go my own way That causes weakness. In the local church environment, like what we have here, you decide to do your own thing and go your own way and kind of uh, throw off everybody else and what they have going on. That creates weakness in our body. It doesn't promote strength. And again, when you find yourself in the place where you don't need the local church and you don't need brothers and sisters in Christ and you've got your own thing going on, please understand that that is not a sign of strength That is a sign of immaturity and weakness on your part. And I'm not saying that to be ugly or to be mean to anybody tonight. I'm just talking straight tonight. When you decide that you don't need anybody else and you can do your own thing and go your own way, that is not a sign of strength, friend. That is a sign of immaturity on your part because any person that's walked with Jesus any length of time knows you cannot do this on your own. You just can't. We need help. We need encouragement. We need friendship. Isolation and selfishness make us easy targets for Satan as well. You want to fall off the wagon? You want to get taken down by the devil? Easiest way to do that is split yourself off from the pack. The Bible says the devil's like a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. And you know what? The devil's not going to go in the middle of a pack of strong, healthy animals to get somebody. He's going to look for the one that's limping over on the side by themselves. He's going to look for the one that is already showing signs of sickness, already showing signs of weakness, and it's going to stray off from the pack. That's who he's looking for. He's not going to go for the one who's protected. You know why? Because if he goes for the one protected, the people protecting him are going to beat the devil off the stick. We need that. But by isolating yourself from the body, you're making yourself an easy target for the devil. And again, trust me, you don't want to be a target of the devil for sure. Here's the thing I love about what verse nine tells us as well. Teamwork creates a larger reward. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. You see, the great thing about teamwork is that everybody wins together, everybody loses together. Hey, if you got a loss this week, I got a loss this week. Hey, if you got a win this week, I wanna high five you and, and celebrate your win because I got a win this week. Teamwork uh, spreads, uh, spreads that around for everyone. 
kind of brings us to the next thought. Verse number nine too, companionship brings profit. This is good for us. Notice in verse number nine, it doesn't say that they have a reward. It says they have a good reward. Not just a small reward, but a a good, a healthy size reward. This is profitable for you. This is helpful for you to have companionship, solid Christian friendship. And again, if you don't have it, you need to get it. And you say, oh, where can I find a place of solid Christian companionship? You found it, the local New Testament church. Not full of perfect people, full of people who love Jesus and who want to serve him with their lives and want to do better than they did yesterday. That's what the church is made up of. Not perfect people. You're going to be disappointed if you think that this is a church full of perfect people that are going to never disappoint you and always help you in your Christian life. You're going to be disappointed in that. But if you're looking for other people to go along on the journey with, you're in the right place, friend. If you're looking for other people that when you fall, they say, hey, get back up. Come on, let's keep moving forward. If you're looking for people that you can help pick up along the way on your journey, you're in the right place. We need it. I need it. You need it. Companionship spreads the victory around. Again, it, uh, it doubles the pleasure and halves the losses. If you got a loss, I got a loss. I got a win, you got a win. The great part about being part of a team is that when you get a win, I get a win, regardless of what happened to me this week. And so it allows us to share in our victories. It allows us to share in our losses together. It allows us to not never, ever have to bear the burden alone. Let me tell you this, friend, tonight, if you're going through a difficult time, you are not alone. The devil wants to tell you that you're alone. The devil wants you to hide it and hope that it goes away, but God wants you to share your burden with other brothers and sisters in Christ that can help you carry the burden with you. You're never alone, ever. Next in this passage, we see that companionship brings pleasure. Verse number 11, again, if two lie together, how can they have heat? But How can one be warm alone? You want warmth on a cold night? Companionship will give you that. The idea here is that we comfort one another. If you're having a tough day, I want to hear all about it. I want to give you some encouragement from the Bible. Thankful today, one of the young ladies that got saved here and baptized here and went through discipleship here, she walked out and she says, hey, pastor, I got some uh, health issues going on. I'm not really sure what's going to happen. I was able to encourage her from God's word and be able to pray with her out on the sidewalk with several other Christians and just encourage her, keep her eyes on Jesus. Whatever happens, he's in charge of it. Just trust him. He's faithful. He's brought you this far. He's taking care of you every step along the way. He will continue to take you every step of the way until you get to see him face to face. Don't worry about this. You got this. I was able to comfort her because she made a decision almost a year ago to be a part of this family of faith. And she knows now in times like this, she needs companionship. She needs help. She needs encouragement. We can comfort one another. We can encourage one another. I love that word encourage. It literally means to put courage into, like like you're pouring it into a glass out of a pitcher, encourage. Man, I want to be, I'm not a great encourager, but I want to be a better encourager. I want to be the guy that that people get fired up by being around. I want to be the guy that can say, hey man, keep going. You got this. Every time I go to uh, to Cocoa Head and hike Cocoa Head, if you've never hiked Cocoa Head, put it on your list, you need to do it. It'd be good for you. Pack lots of water, go really slow, especially if it's your first time, but you can do it. It's totally awesome. I love when I've actually made it to the top and I'm on my way down. That's my favorite part, the way down. And some people are like, the way down's harder than the way up. You don't even know what you're talking about. That's all there is to it. The way down is always much easier, in my own personal opinion. 
But um, I love when I'm coming down, being able to tell people, hey, you're almost there. Hey, you see that telephone pole right there? That's the last telephone pole. After that, you're to the top. I love talking to people at the halfway point, you know, where you have to walk over those railroad ties and you feel terrified that you're going to fall to your death, even though it's probably only about five feet. Um, Hey, as soon as you make it over those, you're almost halfway there. Keep on trucking. You're almost there. Hey, you see those telephone poles? Count three of them, and then you're at the top there. I like being an encouragement that way because people are just slugging along. It's like, oh, this is terrible. I see kids, I I give them a high five. Come on, buddy, you got this. Uh, I see people that are struggling. Hey, stand to the side, take a breath, don't overdo it, don't make the fire department come up here and take you down on a gurney, right? Just relax, breathe for a little bit, take your, take your time, you'll get there, and when you get to the top, there's an incredible breeze up there. Oh, it's gorgeous up there today. I'd like to try to encourage, and I don't like to just do that when I'm up on Cocoa Head. I try to do that in everyday life. I try to let people know, hey, I'm thinking of you and praying for you today. Hey, hope things are going well. Hey, how did that thing work out for you? Hey, uh, I heard you're, you have a family member going to the hospital this week. Let me know how that goes. I want to be a person who encourages. Why? Because that's one of the benefits of having friends. That's one of the benefits of having companions. And let me just tell you this. If you have a Christian friend, they don't have a lot of Christian friends that are encouraging them. They just don't. So you get to be that person. And even if you're the only Christian in your, in your workplace, you get to be an encouragement to the people around you. And the Bible says because of companionship, you get to bring heat to somebody on a cold day. Next, companionship brings protection. Verse number 12, and if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. We had a... We had a unique incident on Friday night that a, a guy came into our singles Bible study and started shouting profanities. Uh, it was exciting. Um, and so, uh, but the second that it happened, about five dudes jumped up and pushed him out the front door and shut the door behind him. Like, uh-uh, you're out of here, goodbye. And then another person called the cops and they stood out there and waited until the cops showed up. Uh-uh, not gonna happen. What would have happened if one person had been sitting in there by themselves and that guy walks in? What happens then? Been a lot of different situation, that's for sure. But you know what? In that moment, those dudes jumped up and, and took care of business with a quickness. Man, I love it. Love it, love it, love it. <laughs> if you ever had the opportunity to see the exciting things that happen here at Huikala, uh, you'll know that we've got a, a crack team of men that are just waiting for trouble to start. I mean, it's like, mm, waiting for trouble to start. I'm on the lookout for trouble. That guy over there, what's he doing over there? I see him with his hands in his pocket a lot. What's going on with that? And everybody's just standing there looking, waiting, waiting for something to happen, right? I love it. Uh, I was telling our uh, Next Steps class this morning, uh, we had a guy probably, I don't know, it was probably a year or so ago at this point, on Sunday nights we were passing the mic around, people were giving praises, and this guy sat over here in the corner, and he says, I was talking to a guy the other day who was a Wake Forest fan, and you know their mascots, the Demon Deacons, and I think that's of the devil. I'm just like, okay, thanks for sharing, pass the mic, you know? And, um, and the second one of our ushers took a mic away from him, the dude pulls out a pipe and then a lighter and starts start flicking his lighter trying to light it. And the second he got that second strike on his lighter, there was about six guys that surrounded him and walked him all the way from that section in here all the way across the front and right out the, the back door. And he looks at me when he's walking past going, I'm just trying to smoke. And just like, dude, really? You're like, are you kidding? You know? But what would happen had there been one person sitting with some guy who wants to, to, to fire up a smoke on a Sunday night? Again, there's strength in numbers. And, and we can't fight every battle on our own. We just can't. God didn't design us that way. That's why we're stronger and better together. Companionship brings protection. We need accountability. 
I need somebody looking for me when I'm not here. I need somebody looking out for me when, I, when I'm slipping. I need somebody to say, hey, pastor, is everything okay? You seem kind of down lately. I need that in my life. I need people that I can call and say, hey, I'm struggling. Could you pray for me this week? Hey, could you help me with this situation? I really don't know what to do with that. Companionship gives us that protection. Companionship allows us to walk in wisdom and get wise, godly counsel from people that we love and trust and people who uh, are, have our best interest in mind. Companionship does that. Uh, solitude doesn't do for that, that for you. Isolation doesn't do that for you. You're on your own with isolation. But it provides accountability. We need someone who has our back. I need to know that there's people that are looking out for me that if something's coming my way to hurt me, they're gonna protect me from that. I need somebody who I can trust with my life. I can tell you right now, there's about five to 10 guys in this room that I trust with my life, 100%. There's five to 10 guys in this room that I would give my debit card number to and not worry that they were gonna do something bad with it, you know? People, again, that I trust. How did that happen? Did that just happen overnight? Did that happen from making a couple of acquaintances and handshaking time? No, it didn't. It took time. It took vulnerability. It took me stepping outside of my comfort zone. It took time bearing one another's burdens, getting to know each other, sharing time together. It takes time. It requires effort on our part. But the benefits that we gain from solid Christian companionship it's huge. I love a quote that I read several years ago. Real friends stab you in the front. I like that. I need people like that in my life. They say, hey, that was stupid. Don't ever do that again. Thank you. I needed to hear that. Hey, you know what? You're a real jerk. Thank you. I needed to hear that. Hey, you know what you said over there? That was totally uncool. Thank you. I needed to hear that. I don't need people gossiping about me behind my back. I don't need people talking about trash about me behind my back. I don't need people telling my business to everybody else. I need people who come to my face and say, if you ever do that again, I swear to you, I'll take you out on the sidewalk and beat you within a half inch of your life. Thank you. I needed to hear that. Seriously. We need people who are willing in our lives that we give the ability to speak truth into our lives. We cannot do this on our own. As we mature, we see companionship as an opportunity to, to be an influence to other people, though. You might be at a point in your life where you say, bah, I got plenty of friends. I don't need any more. All those friends you're talking about, I got that, and I'm, I'm like up to my ears in good, solid Christian companionship. Good. Would you be a friend to someone else, though, to be an encouragement to them? You see, there comes a point in your Christian life where it's no longer about what you get from it. It's about what you get to give to it. The men that influence my life and the men that mentor me, I don't know how much value I provide to their life, but I know they provide a lot of value to me. I'm talking about taking on a project maybe that has no really short-term benefit for you, but it's an opportunity for you to pour your life into another human being to see them become profitable. I'm talking about not getting in a companionship because this person would be good for you, but because you'd be good for that other person. And you can take the life experience that you have and pour that into another person because all of us had somebody that poured into our life at one time or another 
whether it was a pastor, whether it was a basketball coach, or whether it was a, a friend in college or a friend in a church that we were in before, somebody who really took you under their wing and says, hey, stop being a knucklehead, grow up. We need that. And if you're at a point in your life now where you get to be that for somebody else, be that for somebody else. Oh, it takes so much time. I know it does. I get it. Having an influence and making an impact always takes time. There's always a price to be paid for. Here's the word, leadership. Always. You know, you say, well, I'm not really a leader. I don't really have a title. Leadership is not a title. Leadership is a choice to influence the life of another person. And every single person here tonight, kids, teenagers, single adults, you have people that you influence. And you have the opportunity to influence them and invest in their lives. Man, what a huge impact that is. Final thoughts here tonight and we're done. First of all, I want to encourage you to be steadfast in your commitment to community. Be steadfast. That means consistent again and again and again to your commitment to community. The local church is a body. It's a family it's not a place where you just show up on Sunday, sing some songs, hear a message, and go home. That's never what the church was designed for. The church is not for your entertainment. Unfortunately, many churches have taken on uh, the entertainment avenue. I'm grieved at the things that I see that pass as church today. Entertainment, it's garbage. We're not here to entertain you. We're here to preach God's word and teach you what the Bible says. We're here to provide you a loving, committed community that will help you to reach your potential for Jesus Christ. And we're here to make a massive impact in this city. That's why we're here. And if you're not entertained and I didn't tell enough jokes tonight, you're just in the wrong place. Simple as that. This wasn't meant to entertain you. This wasn't meant to be funny. <laughs> There's a guy who uh, attended our church. He was here for probably three or four, three or four months, fairly consistently. And then he just fell off the face of the planet. He wouldn't respond to my, my phone calls and text messages and emails. And finally, he kind of just said, man, here's what it is. Send him a postcard. Hey, praying for you. If we can ever do anything for you, let me know. And um, I, uh, I saw him at Walmart like six months later. And I said, hey, Tony, how you been? What's up, man? And I said, haven't seen you in forever. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I changed churches uh, a while back. And um, nothing personal. It just wasn't for me. I said, man, that's great. If you found another good church that works for you. I said, Sometimes it helps me to be a better pastor if, if I know why people left our church. Maybe it was something that I did or dropped the ball. And, well, yeah, it was something that you did. And I said, man, tell me I want to make it right. And he goes, when I first started coming, you were like super funny every Sunday. And you told a lot of jokes. And like the last few weeks I was there, it was just like Bible this and Bible that and sin this and hell that. And it's just like, man, it's just like, it was really killing my vibe. Okay, yeah, probably good that you went to another church, Tony. Uh, and hope the other church is funnier than ours was. Yeah, what do you say to that? I don't know. But I thought to myself, did you really think, did I give off the impression that our church was there to entertain you? I, I feel terrible for that. And I apologize to him. Hey, I'm sorry that I, I let you down and made you think that the church was around to, to, for, for kind of giggles, you know? Because the church is serious business. And so if I made it come across as funny, I apologize for that. Because it was, what we do is really serious business. But I thought to myself, this guy wanted to be entertained. And, and again, if you think that, that showing up to church on Sunday, sitting by yourself, not talking to anybody and going home when you're done, that's church. That's the opposite of church. 
if you read through the book of Acts, they didn't get together for an hour on Sunday mornings and then go home for the rest of the week. They lived every single day together. Seven days a week, they were in the word. They were meeting each other's needs. They were going over to each other's houses. They were having meals together. Some of them ended up living together because people kicked them out of their house because they were Christ followers. And we're talking about real deal living together. And that's what the church is supposed to be. I want to challenge you to make a commitment to community. It means I've got your back and you've got mine. You can count on me and I hope that I can count on you. That's the idea behind community. That's what is expected of us. Next, be sensitive to the needs of others. Just know this. Every single person that walked through those double doors today and tonight has a burden that they're carrying that you don't know nothing about. Every single one of us. And again, your burden might be that you got to get up at 5 a.m. and go to work tomorrow and getting up early is a burden for you. I get that. But there's people whose parents are dying this week. There's somebody who might have a serious medical diagnosis this week. There's somebody this morning who was brokenhearted over the sin of their children this morning. There's somebody who doesn't know if they're going to have a job this time next year. They don't know what they're going to do about it. There's people who aren't really sure what's going to happen when the money that they have in savings runs out. And these are people that were here this morning. Be sensitive to those needs. And I'm not saying you got to get into everybody's business and, hey, what's your burden? I want to write down on my big burden list that I have going on here. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just like, hey, I just want to let you know I'm praying for you. Hey, it encourages me to see you here every week. Keep it up. Hey, you weren't here last Sunday and I wondered where you were. It's good to see you back this week. People notice stuff like that. People recognize stuff like that and it lets them know that they're part of the community. I try my hardest to remember people's names. And again, I can say, well, I'm terrible with names. That's how God wired me. And that is true. I, like you tell me your name, I'm gonna forget it within 15 seconds. And so you know what I have to do? I literally have to keep a three by five card where I write down people's names. Otherwise, I'm going to forget it. And so I do that. You know why? Because remembering people's names makes them feel like they're part of something. And I know that's really important, so I want to do it. Why? Because I want to be a good friend. I'm trying. I'm not, I'm not perfect. And I'm not saying that my way is the best. If you don't do it my way, you're, you're wrong. I'm just talking about I want to be committed to a community and help other people come into the community. I want to be sensitive to the needs of other people. I want to know you matter. How can I pray for you this week? And I got a stack of cards on my desk of prayer requests people wrote out just this week. And I'm going to sneeze. It passed. Okay. Um, a stack of prayer requests that people have. People are carrying burdens, man. Burdens, I tell you help bear those burdens. You say, well, how do I get to know? We have connect groups on Tuesday nights, Wednesday nights, Friday nights, where people sit around in a circle and they say, here's, here's a prayer request that I have this week. Could you pray with me on this? Hey, here's something I'm struggling with. Could you pray with me on this this week? And you have the opportunity to go, oh yeah, sounds good. And then go on about your business or you can write it down and really pray. And that's what it means to be sensitive to the needs of others. And just know if somebody's short with you, they're going through something. If somebody didn't speak to you or didn't shake your hand at handshaking time, either you were genuinely overlooked or they're going through something right now. Don't judge them for it. Just give them some space. Pray for them. Or if you want to jot them a note and say, hey, I noticed you weren't yourself on Sunday. I hope everything's good. How can I pray for you this week? Those things are incredibly, incredibly helpful. You know what's really easy to do? <laughs> Stay in your lane. <laughs> don't worry about anybody else. Let them do their thing. Hey, if they're having a bad day, let them have a bad day. I don't care. You don't want to talk to me? That's fine. I don't want to talk to you. That's really easy. That's not what we've been called to do. 
I want to encourage you to be sharpened by those with different life experiences than what you have. One of the things that I love about Jesus' church is it's made up of people from every background imaginable. And I can learn from you. I was talking with some friends a couple of weeks ago. And she came from an atheistic background. Man, tell me how you went from saying there is no God to saying Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I got to know that story. Tell me. I got to hear it. And she began to tell me. I said, how, did you, how did you wind up being an atheist? How did you get to the point where you said God just doesn't exist? And she kind of led me through that process. Like, oh, man, I was helped by that. I learned from that. I'm a better person because of that. I'm a better Christian because of that. Because I spent time with somebody who has a different life experience than what I do. I want to get to know that. I want to be a student of people. Not again so I can be smart or so people can think I'm something so that I can bring people to Jesus better. And I want to be, take time to be sharpened by people that come from different backgrounds. Hey, look, I probably don't need to spend a lot of time with folks who grew up in a small town in Kentucky, who went to a public school, who joined the military right out of high school, who lived a pretty rough life, and then eventually decided to start walking with Jesus. Hey, I got that background down. That's easy. I got that one. And oftentimes we find comfort in finding people like us, you know. Hey, I want to find somebody about my same age with a similar life experience because I feel comfortable with that. No, find somebody that has a complete opposite background from you and learn from them. Grow from what they have to to teach. Everybody has something to teach. If you've been walking with Jesus for seven days, you have something that I could learn from you. And I want to get to know you. I want to hear your story. I want to be your friend. I want to grow from that. Final thought, be ready be prepared to invest in the lives of others. Be prepared to invest in the lives of others. One of the men of our church I was talking to several months ago, and I said, hey, man, how can I pray for you this week? And he said, man, I got a heavy burden that I'm carrying. I go, man, load it off on here, man. I'll take it. I want to hear it. He said, there's a couple of guys at work that I was working on for a long time to, to get to church and get to know Jesus and things like that. And he said, there's a lady I was talking to and you know, I invited her to church. She came. She was already a Christian. He said, but he said, uh, I like to try to have a couple people that I'm trying to you know, talk to you about the gospel and talk to you about religion and try to get to church eventually and stuff like that. He goes, right now, I got nobody. I got nobody that I'm able to talk to about my faith. Would you pray that God would send somebody across my path that I could have that type of influence in? And I thought to myself, praise God for a guy who sees that as a problem. <laughs> I don't have anybody that I can be an influence on. Would you pray that God would send me somebody so that I could help them? Man, you know what that did to me? It caused me to stop for a second and think, well, who do I have that I'm working on, you know? Who do I have in my life that I'm trying to influence? And that helped me. But I love the spirit of a person who's saying, hey, God's taught me something. I want to share it with somebody else. I'm going to find somebody to do that. We have our marriage enrichment seminar coming up this weekend. And I would encourage you, you might look at it and go, oh, marriage seminars before, we don't really need that. Hey, could you come and help our younger married couples? Could you be an influence on them? Could you take the things that you've learned over maybe a decade or two of marriage and say, hey, I think I've got learned some things that I could pass on to somebody else. I think it could be a positive influence of the things that uh, help some people along the, through this process. Maybe you've been a Christian for a while. Maybe you should take some newer Christians out to 
to, to lunch and talk shop. Maybe you should get involved in discipleship in a way that you can take your faith and pass it on to somebody else. I'm talking about finding somebody to invest in. The problem with being a good Christian friend is that you can't pour out into somebody else from an empty pitcher. You gotta make sure that you're prepared, you're ready, that your life is right, that your walk with God is hot, so that you can put a positive investment in someone else. Here's another thing. You can't be a solid Christian influence on somebody else if you're not a Christian. Has there been a time in your life where you were accepted Christ as Savior? Do you know for sure beyond a shadow of a doubt if you die today that heaven's your home? Do you know for certain that there's been a time, a date, a place in your life where you were saved or born again? Jesus says no man shall see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. Friend, you must be saved to go to heaven. Have to. You might be here tonight saying, I don't know for sure that I'm saved. I'm not 100% sure that heaven's my home. Do not hit the double doors in the back until you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I know that Jesus Christ is my savior. Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins and mine. He paid, he said, it is finished. He was buried in the third day. He arose on his own power, proving that he was victorious over sin, death, and the grave. And friend, you must put your faith in Jesus as payment for your sins, where there is no hope for you in this life, and there's no hope for you in eternity. Only God's judgment. So if you're here tonight and you're not sure that you're saved, please don't leave without knowing for sure that you're saved. If you're here tonight, though, and you're a Christian, you have a solid stable of Christian friends. I'm talking about brothers and sisters you can call on when things are low. I'm talking about brothers and sisters that you can say, hey, I'm struggling. Could you pray for me? Could you help me? Could you encourage me? Outside of that, you have people that you're trying to be an influence in. See, relationships should go both ways. These are people that you should be sharpened by and you should be sharpening them. And there's times where Younger, maybe more immature Christians don't have anything to offer back. Those are the times that you pour out an investment into their life. But we all need sharpening relationships in our life. I encourage you to make sure that you have those because you're gonna need them. (laughs) You might be an introvert like three quarters of the people in the room tonight. Guess what? You still need friends. You might have been hurt in the past like almost everybody in the room has. You still need friends. You still need to open up. You still need to be vulnerable. And and here's the the great part about who we call a Baptist church. This is a place where it's okay to not be okay. This is a place where it's okay to say, hey, I'm struggling. This is a place where nobody's gonna judge when you say, hey, this is the sin that I'm struggling with. Hey, the thought pattern that I'm struggling with. Hey, this is the thing that I'm trying to get away from. Nobody judges you. Hey, we just wanna help you through it. You know why? Because two are better than one. Provides protection, provides pleasure, provides profit, and it's a show of strength, not weakness. If you've got good Christian friends, man, praise God for them. You're, you're going to need them. If you don't have good Christian friends, start this week. And again, it's as simple as like, hey, man, can we go out and grab ice cream after, after service? That'd be awesome. Hey, I'd love to take you for coffee sometime. My treat. I just love to ask questions. We need that. Seek it out this week. You'll be helped by it. Thanks for joining us for the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast. We'd love to have you as our guest this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. You'll find exciting classes for your keiki, a welcoming church family, and a message from the Bible that's sure to encourage your heart. Join us this Sunday. You belong here.